Thank you for joining us on another episode of Kickish. I have my girl here, Amory Jacobs. Hi. Um, and we're gonna get it started. So, first things first, how do I know Amory? Honestly, I just remember like kindergarten graduation. Like I remember you being there, I'm being there. We would you remember the pictures, but we met in kindergarten. No, but I actually, and I think I really remember that because of videos. I've watched that video so many times. My parents. It's video? Yes, my parents have like the VHS of it. I watched it a lot. No, I I like remember specific things about like kindergarten and first grade. I don't. I remember our teacher, Miss McGirt, right? Uh-huh. Okay, so I am right. Um, I remember the classroom we were in. I kind of remember the classroom. I I vividly remember the playground. But I was there longer, so I think that's why I have... That's true. Because I was there to sixth grade, so I yeah. think that's why. All right, so we're going to get back to it. We're going to talk about um, why you went into education. Because honestly, like I feel like educators are like the greatest people in the world for so many reasons. They're totally underpaid, but we already know that. But... My parents are in education. I know your parents were in education. And there's no way in the world that I wanted to do that. Now, granted, I did teach for three years, high school. The interesting times in my life. <laughs> you definitely know all my stories. And I was like, I just can't do it. I can't do it. So give me a little bit of background with you, why you chose this field, what keeps you going in this field. Let's start there. Okay, so I pretty much always knew I was going to be a teacher. Um, really? Wow, like, like from us grading papers together at your house? Like, that's what Yeah, and like making our little brother um, be a student while I was a teacher. We had a chalkboard in the um, in the backyard. One side was a chalkboard, one side was a, a dry grade board. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I like, be like, let's play teacher so often really? i remember being <laughs> at your house though when we would take like our graded papers and then like grade them regrade them yeah mm -hmm. regrade now i remember that like i vividly remember that. i can almost like imagine like see your house at that time when we used to go to your room and just like okay we're gonna grade yeah. the papers yeah i mean it was between that and being a cashier you know because like in my at our kindergarten graduation yeah. That was literally written on the program because I really just wanted to be a cashier. But then I upped it up a little bit in my life and decided that, I was, you know, step it up a bit. <laughs> but like in high school, I had thought about like being a doctor. Then I took AB biology and I was like, absolutely not. Then I thought about being a lawyer, um, but realized it's not like TV. Um, I thought about being a <laughs> a paralegal because they really do most of the work for the lawyers um, but they are underpaid and they do way too much work then I thought about being a um, psychologist and um, that never really like that I still toy around with like getting another degree in psychology really? Um, I, yeah I've never really like completely let go when I got to college once I realized for sure that I was going to be a teacher in high school um, when I got to college I thought about doing a double ed psych major okay. but they had to write way too many papers and I was not for that in that time of my life but um, I did a lot of um, 
shadowing for school psychologists. And a a lot of times they told me like I was really natural at it, but Mm -hmm. I, in college, I was not trying to do the extra work. (laughs) I feel you. I feel you. But I've always liked working with younger children and I've always just like teaching and like trying to make learning fun um, because for me, that was just exciting. Like, so. That's crazy. I can ne- like, there was not like, it was crazy because growing up my family or people asked what I wanted to do. And I was like, I'm not sure, but I know what I don't want to do. Like, for sure, I knew I would never want to be a teacher or in education or nothing. There was just nothing in me. And honestly, Emory, I don't, I think I told you, um, even when I was approached with this idea, I was like, no. Like when they was like, hey, we have an opening, I was like, no. Yeah. My mom was like, you should look into it. I was like, no. <laughs> and then I moved home and it was like, you ain't got no job, girl. But yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, no, I really love it. It's it, it's really helpful when you're a teacher, um, and you're dealing with the different personalities and different learning styles, and just like kids, and just you never know what their background life is, but knowing those different ways to like pick up on it and to know how to better help them, because if you know what's going on in their mind, you can better teach to. Um, set up your teaching for them so that's That's, super helpful that's crazy because you know i never thought about like that should be some classes i don't know if that's classes that you guys took yeah that should really be like it should be hand in hand because i remember Mm -hmm. teaching high school and there were just so many things i was just like like they don't i guess for me i didn't go to school to be a teacher so i was literally thrown into the classroom but i realized like so many it's more than just teaching the kids a subject you yeah. know there's so much more it's kind of like you take the place of like as a female their mom for yeah. those eight hours their mom yeah. their counselor their teacher their coach like everything and it's just like I wasn't prepared for this <laughs> yeah you really become like everything you're everybody at any given time um you know like my shirt says motivator believer innovator educator like you're literally all those things Um, And more because whatever they need at that moment, you have to give it to them because all of it is connected to your learning. So most people think, oh, my kid is going to school and they need to learn A, B and C. But if your kid hasn't um, had a good night's sleep, they're tired. They're not going to learn. If they're hungry, they're not going to learn. If there's something bothering them and they're stressed, that's playing in their mind. So they're not going to learn. So here you have a group of children that you're trying to educate whatever subject area it is. But if this is going on in their mind, they're not listening to you. They're not engaged. They're not paying attention. So in order to be an effective teacher, you have to dig and know the the cues of, Oh, this, this child is not acting their normal self or this child may be tired or this child and kind of find ways to one, understand them, know who they are, and then you're able to develop, you know, different teaching styles for that child. But all of that plays so much into their learning. And people sometimes don't realize that or understand that, like a healthy environment, how a healthy environment helps education. That is true. Um, 
Also, my shirt says Young Gifted Black Teacher, by the way. <laughs> Since you want to show off shirts. <laughs> I'm going to skip over to like COVID. So we've been in COVID. You've been rocking it out during COVID, virtual, in-person. How do you think, like, because everybody was at home. So, of course, now you're into their homes, you know, via virtually or whatnot, or they're coming back to school. Like, how, outside of, like, we know the mental, the physical, you know, of, like, it was a lot. Dealing with COVID, you know, people had whatever going on. But how do you think that kind of really affected, like, your teaching? Like, what did you have to shift as far as, like, your teaching style? Like, how do you reach the kids? Like... Was it more of we got to play more games because they're getting bored because they're sitting here or like, I don't know. I'm just like curious. You had to shift literally everything and what kind of sucked and what a lot of people, you know, in the moment, people were like, oh, educators are really out here. But like what people didn't realize is that we were never trained for COVID. Like. Everything we did, it's kind of like we pulled out of our back pocket. Like we literally, as teachers, made everything up. Like, because no one has ever in the history, like, yes, you have your online classes, yeah. but, but students usually choose that path. Uh -huh. um, and that's usually very intrinsic, intrinsically motivated students choose that online path um, unless, you know, they're making up a class or whatever the case may be. So you're talking about, but you're now talking about like students of all different learning styles all have to be online. And so you are shifting everything. It's one thing if I was like always an online teacher, yeah. but we're used to being, you know, very in-person, and whatnot. So you shifted, you shifted everything. And as a teacher, every day is a new day, but every day was literally a new day. Like we are playing everything by ear. We are experimenting out of the yin yang. Um, and it was very difficult at times because when kids are dropped off at school, you can make sure that they're in class. You can get them out the hallways so-and-so's not, so-and-so came to school today, but um, they're not in my class. Like, where mm -hmm. are they? What, whatever the case may be. When you're online, like, they don't show up. They don't show up. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do. And so it's just like, okay, hey, parent, like, your student wasn't here today, but if that parent didn't have, didn't check their email or that kid didn't, like it was just getting kids logged on to Zoom, making sure you're seeing their faces because they could log on, but like you'd be seeing ceiling fans, <laughs> you, would see, you would see like blank screens. Some of them would be in their robe, laying in the bed, like what? all sorts of things, you know eat, you know, getting, having breakfast, eating cereal, like walking around. You can see some of them like texting their friends while they're on Zoom and laughing because they, they've muted, they're muted. So they're yeah. just having, but they're signed on and that's all they have to do. So classroom management was like so different. And I'm a math teacher. 
Oh, and that was super hard because when I'm in the classroom and they're walking and I'm walking around, I give them some independent practice or even some group work. I can say, oh, you went wrong here. Mm-hmm. I can no longer see their work. Like as they're, I can't peek over their shoulder on the computer. You know, I can't see their steps. I can't. So now it's like they're explaining or they're sharing their screen. But then this person wants to share their screen, too. Or this person's like, it was just like mass confusion. And you only had like this amount of time to make it right. Because when COVID hit, we had we were in the last quarter of school. And it was like the crucial moments of did everybody learn everything? Yeah. Make sure that you learned everything. So it was really, really tough. Um, As we went into the sec, I guess the next, the following year, it was, I feel like it got harder because now for us, some kids have, kids have the option of either going to school or staying at home. Oh, so now you, okay. So now I'm here you know, teaching to you on Zoom, but I also have a group of kids in front of me. Mm-hmm. So how do I, as a teacher, manage my virtual students and my in-person students all at the same time, make sure everyone's succeeding, make sure everyone's um, getting it. How do I make sure that my students on Zoom are always hearing me? <laughs> like there's no technical issues. You know, everything that I teach, I have to make a digital and, a, you know, oh, and hard copy or whatever. or even like if I'm showing a video, everybody has to see it at the same time. If I'm playing a game, everybody has to see it, at, do it at the same time. Like, so you just, you know, it was a lot of like being flexible, being innovative, being creative, being lenient, being gracious, like every everybody was going through so, so much. And unfortunately, as educators, we didn't receive a lot of grace Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, you know, at the beginning of COVID, it was like, oh yeah, like we get it. But when that next school year started, everybody expected us to be experts. (laughs) No, like seriously, like everyone expected us to be experts. They still want their children to receive the um, tip top education. There's no slacking here. Like my child needs to learn. My child needs to. So it was very hard on teachers. Um, and then of course, as an administrator, like you're trying to be gracious to your teachers, but you, you know, parents are still, especially for me working in a private sector, parents are paying for this education. Mm-hmm. So they're expecting like, I want my money's worth. Hey, I paid so, for this avocado. I want a whole avocado. Right. So whether my kid is in person or my kid is online and I don't care if you're teaching the both of them, like Mm -hmm. my kid needs to make sure. So it was just kind of, there was very little room, unfortunately for grace and just a lot of teachers became burned out that year um, because those expectations and there's no grace. There was grace for everybody. You know, go healthcare workers, which was great because they were on the front lines as well. But here we are um, with these students every single day. And then when COVID initially hit, especially in the public sector, 
a lot of kids dependent on those yes. those meals. Yeah, the resources, um, the internet, on the food. Yeah, everything. just like somewhere to go. Yeah, right. and that people don't realize how much of an outlet school is for kids as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they have their friends, they have a place to mingle, they have extracurricular activities. Even for the kid that's not in extracurricular activities, they still get some sort of some sort of social aspect mm-hmm. um, that they didn't um, they were just immediately cut off from. And so that really took a toll on everyone. Um, wow. so, oh, it was it was very difficult. And then on the student side, just learning everything and also being expected to understand how to log on here and turn mm-hmm. in here and do all of that and just adjust to half of your classmates being here, half of them not, half of them being on, you know, it was, it was a lot. lot. I bet. Oh my gosh. I heard so many stories about it, but so you, I'm going back to something that you said. First thing you said that you teach in the private sector, why private versus public? Um, I actually always wanted to teach in public. Um, That was my goal. Um, I never wanted to teach in private, actually. Um, It just happened that way. Um, Once I graduated high school, um, high school, (laughs) once I graduated college, um, I became a little lazy in looking for jobs because I was like, oh, I did it. And then it was like, oh, I kind of need to get a job now. I should probably go work. Like my summer is not like a normal summer. Like I now have to get a job. I'm not going back to school. So when I started applying, um, I just applied everywhere that had an opening and that's where I was hired. And then I just, I just stayed. I've I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed it um, a lot. I've grown a lot in the private sector. So it wasn't because like, Oh, I like private education. Go there. Yeah, I just I, I actually they chose me. <laughs> yeah. I was chosen. I so, am chosen. There you go. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so you say you teach math. Is that your favorite subject to teach? Like is it, it was were you just chosen to teach math and you was like I'm gonna rock with it? Yeah, and that it's a little bit of both. So my whole life I hated math. My entire life, my dad's a math teacher. He's been a math teacher for 20 years now. Um, Yeah. And um, I actually, I tell my kids all the time, like I failed math three times um, throughout my educational career. (laughs) But you know Um, what they say, those those who can't, they teach. (laughs) No, that's not the case. (laughs) I dare to tell me that one time. And I hate that thing so much. I hate it. I hate it so so much. But anyway, what? Um, I failed it in high school. Failed it twice in college. Um, and when I became a teacher, I got hired at the last minute. And when I got my teaching assignment, they were like, "Oh, you're teaching middle school math." Well, that sounds like. And I was like, "Okay." All right. And so I, you know, I start, I mean, I was certified to teach it, but. You're like, y'all didn't see these transcripts? 
Right. Like I just, um, <laughs> I just feel like there was some other option. So anyway, I when once I started teaching it, I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. It does. Like right. it really does. I, like I get it. But then, um, I was like. Yo, the reason I didn't get it is because, and so I took it in as like, I'm going to change the way that math is being taught so that kids understand it. Mm-hmm. And that became my passion. And now like, I, I absolutely love it. My, my kids think I'm crazy, but I'm like, yo, this stuff makes sense. Like it makes sense. It's crazy. Like, you're going to come in here and you're going to be like, I hate math. Like, it doesn't make sense. But when you leave here, I want you to at least be like, oh, that made a little bit of sense. Like, you got to feel what I feel yet. And I get that. But, like, I just want you to feel like a little bit like, whoa. Like, so what's your favorite grade to teach or grades? Um, so <laughs> I'm you're in middle school, right? So I'm actually dual. So I work at an academy. And so I do the accelerated math courses. So I start with seventh grade accelerated. So that means that the seventh graders do seventh and eighth grade math in one year. So that the following year they take algebra. Um, And then I teach algebra one um, and I teach geometry for high school as well. Okay, okay, okay. But that's your, like your favorite range of like. My kids? favorite is high school. That's my favorite too. My favorite is high school. Um, eighth grade, I, I really like too. And of course, I'm teaching seventh graders, so I love them as well. But my favorite. You gotta say that you love the seventh graders. Huh? You, you gotta say that you love the seventh graders. No, no, no. I actually <laughs> do love the seventh graders. Like, I hope they watch this because they know how much I love them. Like, <laughs> My seventh graders are my babies. Like, I love them so much. But yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. So what can you tell me? What has been the hardest thing? And we're going to exclude COVID because we know COVID was hard. But what has been, like, the hardest thing in your career of, like, educating, whether it's teaching, whether it's, like, you getting certifications or just coming into, like, being yourself in this role of who you are? Like, what has been the hardest thing? Um, I think the hardest thing for me was getting my master's (laughs) Um, because thankfully um, teaching comes natural for me. Um, And that's another reason why I knew I was going to be a teacher. Like I'm very passionate about it because it's like, it's, I know it's my purpose in life. Like I live and breathe it. And so that part, like stepping into a classroom, no problem. Um, Even in my, when I was an administrator, um, that part wasn't even like tough. I guess working, the hardest part would have been as an administrator, just keeping the peace between parents and and everybody (laughs) um that was i guess the most challenging um making sure that all of your parents are happy and they feel like they're getting their money's worth um and that you're providing the tip-top um education for their child um i think that might have been the most challenging okay so masters and you know 
providing for yeah. what they pay for. Yeah, that, my comps test for my uh, principal certification, definitely the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Oh, wow. I don't even want to know. But, know. Okay, so um, we're going to switch gears for a second. I'm not going to ask you your stance or none of that other stuff or whatever, because honestly, I don't really care. And this is not the time and the place that I want it to be. But what is it? Because you show, you told me about how hard it was to basically manage during COVID. Um, what about like when these things happen, like there's a shooting at a school, there's like just different things that happen at schools, like where they should not be happening. I mean, they shouldn't be happening anywhere, but specifically like our schools, these are kids. Like, how do you bounce back, like, coming back into the classroom, like, with that? Like, you come back into the classroom as a teacher, like, yo, this could have been us. Two, you're coming back into the classroom as these kids are like, yo, this could have been us, you know? And, they, and they're and they getting a lot of this information there. It's feeding into them because they're seeing it on social media. They're hearing about people talk about it. They're coming back to school, and it's like... Should I even be coming back to school? Like, is this safe? Because I'm not going to lie. I'd be nervous coming back to school, even if it wasn't, you know, my school. But I know being in that space of a teacher, because I've had um, I've had to come back to school after a really crazy, like, tragic, something tragic happened within our school. Coming back the next day was really hard. Like to like console the kids to let them know that like hey you know everything's all right even though I don't really truly believe it you know but it's like how do you manage how do you like navigate that when like the aftermath? So the the biggest thing um, that I do from day one is I create a safe space for my for my students, um, making sure that my students know they have a safe space is so important because when things like this happen, they know they have a place that they can come and release. Um, whether it's they're scared, whether it's they're mad, whether they just are confused, whatever the case may be, they know that they can come in this classroom and they can unleash. Um, for I'll give an example. Um, when the mass shooting happened in um, New York at the grocery store, um, it happened to be the same week it, during that same weekend. One of my students decided that they were going to walk to the park. Um, it, it was like nine, ten o'clock at night um, that they were just going to walk to the park. And their parents were looking all over for them. And so when they came in, they were like, so, well, another student would happen to be with them that weekend or whatever night. Yo, Miss Jacobs, can you believe so-and-so decided that they were going to walk to the park in the middle of the night and our parents had to go looking for them? And he doesn't know why it's so wrong. And I looked at And so he was like, I just went to the park. And that was like, okay, so now we're going to have to have a moment. And he was like, my parents already told me that it was a bad thing to do. I was like, no, 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 no. It's deeper than that. I said, you are a black man in America. So you can't just walk to the park. I was like, let's talk about all the people who were just walking and didn't make it back home. I said, you guys heard about the mass shooting that happened in New York this weekend? They were like, yeah. 
I was like, somebody drove hours just to kill African-Americans because they don't like African-Americans. And they were just going grocery shopping. Yeah. And like, you are just going to the park, but you can't just go to the park. You have to take extra precautions. And they were like, oh, I didn't think about it like that. Like, we have to put on a different thinking cap. But mm-hmm. in that reception, it wasn't like an attack. It was, it was a learning moment. Mm-hmm. But they felt comfortable enough to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so then questions came up, but we've created this safe space that they can ask these questions and they can understand these things. Um, I have a lot of those questions that come up. I also teach African-American history as an elective. Okay. Um, and so we get a lot of, uh, we have a lot of these discussions about why and how, and, but, in order to do that, that safe space has to be created. Um, And that is one thing that is like so pertinent in our education system is, as we said at the beginning, like we're everybody, but in order to be everybody, we have to create a safe space that our students can trust us. Um, And so when things like that happen, they can come in mad, they can come in upset, they can come in sad, they can, but they know that they can release that. And having a space to release that because, you know, school counselors get overwhelmed, um, teachers get overwhelmed, everyone gets overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I know for me, I have to get it out before I stand before my class. Mm -hmm. Um, That way that I can be that shoulder for them as well. Um, But it's so, so important that we create that, that space for them to have an outlet. Um, so that they can kind of deal, begin to deal with that and learn effective ways to deal with it. Okay, okay. Well, I'm going to go back to something that you said, since, as we know, everything is about race. Like, a coworker and I were just talking about just as a Black woman, like, we don't step out of our door like, oh, we're just a woman. When we walk outside our house every day, we walk out, it's like, I am a Black woman. And that means so much. And it could be positive or it could be negative. And you have to like address yourself, you know, monitor yourself and act accordingly, basically. I really think it's very important that we as black people see ourselves in so many different areas of, you know, the world. How do you make sure that like your black kids and not to exclude because, you know, when people say black lives matter, they, you know, we have some people who say, but what about, it's not about exclusion. It's about, you know, inclusion. How do you make sure that your black kids are seen and heard and like they are somebody? Because like, I feel like if they're not, they got to get it at home. But if we're at school in school, if we can't even get it at school, teachers really set a tone for, you know, the future of kids' lives. Like I remember specific teachers and like what they said to me, you know, like I remember stuff like that. So specifically, what do you have? Like, is it something that you say, like my job and duty as a black teacher is to make sure these black kids, you know, feel a certain way, do a certain thing. Like, so, how do you navigate that? I definitely, I do it really with all of my kids and making sure that they know they matter. Um, okay. And in doing that, it's just kind of finding ways to relate with to them on a cultural level. For them, just seeing me being authentically myself, mm-hmm. I'm very intentional 
about how I'm how I look when I go to work and things like that because I want them to see a black woman as being a black woman um and so I intentionally wear my hair natural a lot of the times that I go to work um because um my school is diverse but I would say it's um there's definitely more um there's a, there's a lot of children of color, but there's more white children than right. children of color. Um, and so I want them to see this black woman with her natural hair and she's confident and in, in, in it. She's mm-hmm. not like, like I wear it big. I wear, you know, I wear it out. I want them to, to see that. I want them to see um, what it is for a black woman to be professional as well. But also, I can also, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I, I can also code switch and okay. be relaxed with them yeah. um, so that they know like, oh, that's professional Miss Jacobs, but you know, she's this still one of us in the yeah. set, you know? <laughs> um, but there are so many kids of color that just, they don't have representation. Representation mm-hmm. It's so it's so needed. Um, and so obviously I'm a black woman. I'm not a Vietnamese woman, but that doesn't mean I cannot relate to my Vietnamese kids. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of we have a lot of international students. And so one thing I've done, especially throughout the years, is I make sure I know how to say their name, their yeah. name um, and say it correctly. And I'll call them that name versus their American name. And mm-hmm. that makes them feel so seen mm-hmm. and so like related to um, the same thing for um, my Hispanic kids. I make sure like I throw in a little Spanish lingo or, you know, um, or I tell them to teach me the same thing with my international students. Like I tell them to teach me new words and then come and quiz me on it. Like, make sure that I'm learning these words and it's not going in one ear and coming out the other ear. And they love that because now I am taking a time to get to know them personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making sure my students feel seen is something like I have to do. Because as I was saying earlier, in order for your students to learn, it's more than them just coming in the classroom and having like a paper and pen. When they feel seen, when they feel like you care about them, mm-hmm. you relate, they will bend over backwards to get whatever you want done. Okay. So if I if I spend a little time getting to know my students, oh, they will move mountains for me. They mm-hmm. will go above and beyond for me because they feel like they have someone that cares. And I do. I don't want to just make them feel that way. Like, I honestly, I honestly do. But like, now I'm getting to know them. Then when you get to know them, you can tell when they're upset, when they're bothered, when they're going to have a good day, when they're not going to have a good day. And you can work with that. But Mm -hmm. it starts by making those steps. And so, unfortunately, we don't have the representation that we need within education. And not just for African-American students, for all of our students. Um, and so 
making sure that they still feel seen is is just like number one. They they have to you have to find that way to relate in order for them to to learn. So as a black woman, I know and I guess we from teaching for 12 years, I have learned how people perceive me on on site, right? Oh, black teacher, black woman. And you're short too, so. <laughs> and so I don't, I know that they are gonna be judging me based off the last black woman they've had an interaction oh, with. Oh, that's true, okay, okay. So, Everything they know about a black woman is coming from their last black woman experience. Okay. So when I approach a person that's not of color, one more specifically, I'll give you what I do, like kind of with my parents not of color and with my parents of color, is I want to establish a relationship of who I am. And so what I do um, is I make and it goes back to what I was saying before is I always make sure I make connections with all of my kids. Okay. Because one thing about parents, they believe almost everything their kids tell them. (laughs) And um, with that, um, if their kid comes home and like, my teacher is amazing, Mm -hmm. I'll trust you with their whole life. You know? That's true. So what I do is I try to like at least say hi or go out of my way to make like small talk with them. But my impact is with my students. Okay. I make sure that I have a good relationship with my students. Now, are all of my students going to absolutely adore me? Yeah. But I do make sure that they feel respected and they feel they feel seen. They may still walk out of my classroom hating math, but they're they know that I care in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll even give an experience. I had a student um that didn't do well on the test, and so the parent got really upset. And the parent wrote how, like, oh. My child didn't do well, and she's not. She hasn't been a good teacher. Blah blah. blah. Well, then the student um, ended up saying, "Well, I never said that. Like, I never said that they were a good teacher." And so then the parents like, "Yes, you did." And I was like, "No, no, I didn't." I love it, Then the parent went from like, because at first when it first happened, like the parent wasn't talking to me, and you could tell. But then it was like, well, I guess I'll talk to you. My kids still like you, so I can get them to you. So. And it's because of that relationship, you know, like the parents not gonna hold a grudge against you if the kid loves you. Like it's like, well, I guess, you know. There are definitely parents that I probably never won, uh, won over, and it's okay because at the end of the day, and a lot of times I tell like my teachers when I'm an administrator, like you can't win them all. As long as you do your best to like for your kids and you know that you've done all that you can, that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always going to be somebody who's going to be criticizing you. There's always going to be someone who doesn't like the way that you do a certain thing. And that's okay. 
because we're all different. So we're not supposed to like everything that everybody does. But as long as they leave respecting you, that's all you can ask. You can, you cannot like the way I teach, but you can respect me still. And I can respect you. You may not like the way that I implemented something or handled a situation, but you can still respect me. And that's really all that one can ask for. So boys and girls, how do you teach them? Do you teach them the same? Do you te- I know everyone has a different learning style. We've discussed that. But do you think your girls learn a certain way or just girls in general versus boys? Like with math, um, people often think, oh, boys get math easier than girls because with math, things are like cut and dry. Yeah. There's not a lot of room for creativity. It's like boom, 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 boom. Step one, step two, step three, step four. And so you would think that with girls being so fundamental, they, but girls are very creative as well. So they they (laughs) want to make it more elaborate. But I really don't see a big difference um, between boys and girls as far as learning. It's more like I just have different learners because okay. some of my girls do it this way and some of my boys do it this way. And so when I'm teaching and I'm setting up a lesson, um, I'm very interactive because I don't like to be bored. So I'm going outside. I'm, I'm, we're doing stuff all over the walls. We're doing stuff in the hallways. We're going to the gym if it's available. You know, we're going here, we're going there to find different ways to get them engaged. Like I don't like sitting and taking notes all day. I need them to see it being applied. And with that, I'm able to reach my different learners because I have learners who are just like, yo, I just need like five notes and I got it. (laughs) So I have the five notes for them. I need those that the kinesthetic learners, they need to touch, they need to feel in order to understand. So we, you know, we're doing a little project here. Um, you know, I'm just trying to reach all my different, my different learners. So it's not very gender-based, um, oh. even though boys and girls have some gender differences, it's not very gender-based. It's more individual learner-based and understanding how each of my learners um, under understand and learn and grasp their knowledge and making it that way okay what is like one thing that you would tell someone coming into education like from your Um, experience so far if i a new teacher teacher, um, somebody who's saying i'm gonna be a teacher when i get out of college (laughs) i would i would say and i think it's what i've been harping on this whole time get to know your students and make okay. your make your your classroom for them. Okay. 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 Um, and then my last question is, what is the best resource that you have found that helps you like I guess make your job easier? Like I know some people follow certain IG pages because they have a lot of like tips and tricks for education, or like they swear by a certain like McGraw Hill book or Pearson book. I would say I would like to thank all of the teachers who put into Teacher Pay Teacher. Yes, I forgot about that. I live, breathe, and die Teacher Pay Teacher. Yes. I, um, yeah. If I need like a quick resource or like a quick activity, 
teacher pay teacher almost never fails. And I just want to take this time to shout out all the teachers who make that stuff and put that in there because for teachers like me who don't have that time, y'all are real MVPs. Yes, I remember <laughs> using teacher pay teachers several times. I'm like, well, you got the whole activity too? Like, and yes. all I got to do is download. <laughs> you said no yes. practice. Oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. So awesome, awesome. I'm done with my questions. I do thank you for your time. Um, now, you know, I've learned so much about you. You wanted to be a psychologist? Like what? Like where? Like how? Okay. You knew you wanted to be a teacher like from great. That's crazy. Like that's still like crazy to me. You want to be, you knew you wanted to be a teacher then. I didn't know what I wanted to do, honestly. I just knew my parents said I couldn't live with them forever. <laughs> you know so and i yeah yeah i just um but awesome well i want to thank you so very much for coming to kick it with me here at kick it thank you for having me yes so i'm gonna wrap it up thank you for coming once again and you guys do not forget to comment like subscribe follow and most importantly share is there anything else you want to shout out before um all right so if you like the content you want to learn more about teaching or just enjoy following educators you need more tips and tricks for your students or for yourself to educate follow me on instagram at aj jacobs teacher and don't forget to like and share yay all right so we're wrapping up thank you guys for tuning into this episode of kickish and as i'm gonna say deuces and bye